Folks, if you're liking what you're getting from 30MPC, the number one way you can support us is by subscribing to our newsletter. Every week, you only get two emails. On Monday, you get a content roll-up of everything that dropped last week. And on Fridays, I pick one topic and I personally write a deep dive on things like how to cold call, how to run a discovery call, or even how to hire an AE. So if you're liking what you're getting here, take two seconds, go to the show notes. You'll see a button to subscribe to our newsletter, or you can go to 30mpc.com backslash newsletter and do it there. We'll catch you soon. Cheers. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Froke, and I'm here with my co-host, Nick Sigelski. And holy smokes, did we just come off a recording with the one and only Alex Creamer. He is the director of sales over at Catalyst Software and the founder over at Alluvians. Nick, why should people listen? Alex has some really intentional language around making recommendations for next steps and using the tell-show-tell method in demos and talking about implementation when you've got the customer excited as a way to diffuse the objection of, oh, this is going to be hard to implement. And all that stuff is great, but I actually would encourage you to pay the most attention to the use of imagery that Alex uses, not only when he's answering our questions, but in the way he talks about the questions that he asks prospects, because I actually think that is one of his hidden superpowers that you should absolutely steal. This was a 10 out of 10 episode, Armand. All righty. And we're going to tell you that this thing is good. And a three, two, one, we're going to show you it's good. And at the end, you can tell us if it's good. Let's get to it. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. Otter AI's Otter Pilot for Sales gives you the freedom to sell on your discovery calls by taking notes for you. One of the best ways to deepen your discovery is to ask your prospect about the impetus behind their goals. So when a prospect tells me they want to advertise on more sales podcasts, I'll say, well, it's not every day that you wake up and decide you want to sponsor a podcast. What's causing you to even explore this in the first place? Now, we put together the ultimate discovery checklist with our friends at Otter AI, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes. Gong's going to help you run the five-minute drill at the end of all of your calls today. At the end of a call, pressure test the prospect with three questions. Number one, do you want to buy? If the answer is no, why set a next step at all? Number two, when do you want to buy? If it's tomorrow, we got to move fast. Number three, how do you buy? Based on the first two answers, I can now adequately decide if and how I set a next step. And this was stolen from the Gong 30 MPC 90 Minute Masterclass, and you can steal it too in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration cheat code is brought to you by Pipedrive, which is a CRM built by sellers for sellers. The best way to drive your pipeline forward is to every single day pull up a list of all of your open opportunities and look at each opportunity by stage and think, what can I do today that will increase my likelihood of winning this deal? That's how you keep your ops moving forward in between meetings that you have on the calendar. Now, we documented five cheat codes that can help you cut your sales cycle in half with Pipedrive. There's a link in the show notes to steal them. Here's my secret to being a sales superhuman. It's auto reminders for everything. If I expect 
any reply from a prospect, I press command H and superhuman pops it right back into my inbox. If I don't get a reply in two days, that means if you handle an objection, if you suggest times for a meeting, or if you ask for cuts back on red lines, always create a two day reminder task and assume they will not reply. So if you want to follow up on time, every time you can get a free month of superhuman by checking it out in the show notes. All right, Alex, welcome to the show. We start every single interview with your top three actionable takeaways. So let's get your three. All right. My first one is setting up every single call that you're going to have throughout the sales process or even a big meeting with your manager when you're trying to get a promotion. It's called the pre-frame. And there's three main components of it with a key last question. So the first part is your credibility. The second part is why we're here. And the third part here is the goal of the conversation, leveraging the word if. So for example, if I'm an account executive at Outreach and I'm speaking with a VP of sales, I'll start out my very initial conversation like this. Hey, my name is Alex. I speak with VPs of sales such yourself literally every single day. And they're usually either talking to me about how they're going about building pipeline, closing deals, or forecasting right? Second thing, why I'm here. Why I'm here today is to discuss a little bit more about what are you dealing with? What are some of the challenges or good things that you might be having? Obviously happy to give you a little bit of a reflection in terms of how uh, I'm seeing that within the space. And the third part, you know, the goal of the conversation is that if there's alignment here, the next step would be to book a demo, let's say. I'm curious, what else would you like to cover on this call? And notice that that last question was an open-ended question to get them involved as opposed to, does that sound good? Phenomenal. What's number two? Number two is what I like to call the inchworm concept. Now, usually when people are in a demo and they've been showing the platform for a little bit, there's usually a little bit of a sales DNA that says, hmm, I wonder if they're following along with what I'm saying. And so a majority of people ask the most common question of, does that make sense? And 99% of the time, they're going to get the response, yes, but they actually didn't get it. So when you think that you actually just met them where they're at, you've actually just furthered the distance between you and them. Now, the question, does that make sense, is not necessarily a bad question as long as it's followed up with an open-ended question. So for example, Mr. VP of Sales, I'm curious, does that make sense? And if so... Can you tell me how that might go about solving some of those key issues around building pipeline that we discussed earlier? Ooh, love it. Round us out. What's number three, Alex? All right. The last one is the shot clock violation. And how I call this is for every 30-minute meeting, you should have five minutes at the very end to talk around next steps. For every 60-minute meeting, you should have 10 minutes around the end to talk around next steps. And so the key way to do this is after you've talked about whatever you're going to solve I want to actually summarize what we just talked about and ask a close-ended question. So for example, I might say, so Mr. and Mrs. VP of Sales, today we just showed you how we're going to go about building pipeline, closing deals, as well as forecasting appropriately, really based on what you talked about earlier on in our conversation. I'm curious, do you think outreach can go about solving those key things based on what you saw today? Usually, they're going to say yes. And the follow-up question is, great. Based on that, may I make a recommendation here on next steps? It's very hard for them to disagree about booking next steps if they just said, yes, you can solve some of the problems that we had talked about earlier. 
Alrighty, Alex. So on many, many, many other episodes, we've talked about the agenda of a discovery call, the middle, and then the next steps portion. Let's actually jump right into the middle of a discovery call. And then I want to talk about some of these demo questions. So after you've set your agenda, you're essentially presenting your hypothesis or your point of view. And then you have this thing called lay of the land versus heaven and hell. What in the world are you doing in lay of the land versus heaven and hell? <laughs> so first off, let's talk about the hypothesis because so often people will not come in with a perspective or a point of view on somebody's business. They want to view you as a specialist, as an expert within their field. So if you're coming in and saying, hey, based on what my research is, I believe similar to other companies, you're dealing with X, Y, and Z. Now, the beautiful part about hypothesis, it doesn't matter whether you're right or wrong. If you're right, they're going to say yes, and, and if you're wrong, they're going to say no, here's what is right. And so you're going to get to the truth at the end of the day. So coming with a perspective is really valuable, especially to build trust. Lay of the land versus heaven and hell. I love this because it really breaks down the types of questions that you ask into two different types of buckets. So I'm going to give an example here. Let's say that you are at a bar and you see a person who you would very much like to introduce yourself to. You go up to them and you ask them a question. What's the first question you're usually asking them? What's your name? Or are you from here? Do you live around this area? Right? Opportunity just to get to know them. But if I'm going up and my very first question is, hey, do you want to go on a date with me? Hey, would you mind meeting my parents? It's not really in rapport. And so the lay of the land questions is giving you buy off to say, hey, let me just understand how your business is operating. Right? Tell me, you know, what types of sales tech are you using today? You know, how many reps do you have today? What's your typical type of motion when you're going through the sales process here? Once you do that, then you can start to ask some more specific type of questions. Hey, based on you having 50 reps and this being your type of sales motion, what's going really well about that, right? What, what are you executing well on? And then also on the follow-up, where is the biggest bottleneck within that process today? But if that's my first question, it's like, all right, like buy me a drink first at least. Let me get to know you, get to know my business, and then we can really start to dive into that. It's just a matter of, I think kind of just the emotional intelligence of knowing like, when is it time to really start to lean into this? And based on your first question, that's a little bit more heaven and hell. You'll learn whether or not that was a good question <laughs> and you'll figure out from there, hopefully. So question on this piece, Alex, is let's say that I've gotten the lay of the land and I'm starting with these higher level, uh, you call them heaven or hell questions, which is what's going well, what's not going well, what's your biggest bottleneck? My guess is sometimes you get things that outreach or catalyst or whatever it might be can help with, right? But then there are other times where you're getting answers that are totally out in the wild, which are, oh, these are 20 things that are going well that have nothing to do with the problem you solve. So when things start to sprawl out in crazy directions, how do you prime or taper those back to the problems that you can actually help them with? So what I typically do is when they're really just starting to go off, I want to try to guide them back to having the problem that my solution or my platform can actually solve for. So for example, if I'm speaking with a VP of sales and they're really just letting it rip and going off into no man's land, 
I'll bring it back by saying, hey, so I'm curious here. When I'm speaking with VP of sales such as yourself, typically when they're working at a company that's a Series B or Series C tech company, here's three of the common things that I'm hearing them deal with. That might be building pipeline, closing deals, or forecasting. I'm curious, are any of those relevant to you? And if so, how would you maybe rank those or prioritize which one is going really well or which ones you're struggling with the most? And the goal from that is hopefully they're just giving you the keys to the castle in terms of how to position your product or service. Okay. So let's say that at this point, Alex, you've given me one of those three problems that an angry VP of sales might be trying to solve. And I've picked one of your three. Okay. From there, I think you have a, you, you called it either bringing them to the mountaintop and then taking it away, or you have this five question framework that says, hey, now that you're in this bucket of problem, let me get you to the impact of that problem. So how do you bring me from that initial problem to how that hits the bottom line of my company? So shout out to David Rubenstein, uh, my old my old boss. This is an incredible framework of questions that I use probably more than any technique within discovery to get them to feel the pain of it. And I'll give an analogy. If you've ever skied and you're skiing down moguls, where should your vision be? Looking at two turns from now, right? Because your skis are just going to follow where you're going. But if you're looking straight down at your boots, you're most likely going to triple yourself and hit a little mound right there. And so the five-step question framework is a really valuable framework that by the first question I ask, I already know the second, third, fourth, and fifth question that I'm going to be following up with that. And it's a great way to guide the prospect to, I should fix this issue right here. So for example, it works something like this. If someone says, yes, we are struggling with building pipeline. The first question I'm going to ask is, what's the metric that you are measuring pipeline by? Right? Because for people, it could be meetings booked, it could be the number of sows, it could be the total number of pipeline. What's the key metric you're looking for? Hypothetically, say, number of meetings booked. My second question would be, great, how many meetings is the average rep booking per month today? Uh, today, they're booking five. Great. The third question then is, what's the goal? <laughs> Where are they trying to be? Actually, the goal is to book about you know, eight meetings per rep per month. Okay, so what I'm hearing from you then is there's a gap of about three meetings per month. How many reps do you have today? Oh, we have 50. Okay, okay, so that's, that's 150 meetings gap you're having every single month. Am I understanding that correctly? You're extrapolating it for them. You're helping guide their way of thinking. Like, you know, now they say, yeah, it is 150. Okay, so now we've identified how big the problem is. The fourth question is, got it. What's holding you back? What's the biggest thing that's actually preventing you from booking three more meetings per rep today? And they might go on a long tangent. Oh, it's our process. Oh, it's our visibility. It's our training. Whatever it might be. You're, you're really letting them hear it out. The fifth question is a great one because then you're really starting to tilt their head back and they're seeing a larger picture of, tell me, who or what else is that impacting? Or tell me, how is that manifesting? What is that actually causing there? Right. So you've just gone about understanding what they care about, the gap in what they care about, what's holding them back from actually hitting that, and then how that's impacting other parts of the business. Well, you just took them on a very wonderful journey right there. 
Alex, one of the things that I struggle with sometimes is if the person that I'm talking to doesn't have a specific metric by which they're measuring the problem. I'm thinking about when I sell 30 minutes to President's Club advertising sponsorships. I get a lot of people that are are struggling with brand awareness where no one's ever heard of their sales tech company and they want to advertise with us to get in front of tens of thousands of sales teams. But they don't know how they're measuring brand awareness or or visibility. Do you have a recommendation for what I might do here? So you have an opportunity to coach or support them in these are the things that you should be thinking about, right? This is the difference between being a sales rep and a sales professional. A sales professional is an expert and a specialist in their industry, in their market, and the problems they solve. They also have the lucky opportunity to be speaking with all this person's peers and knowing what they're trying and what's working and what's not. So it's a great opportunity for you to say, hey, I'm not just trying to sell you my product. I'm actually supporting you in terms of the lens through which you are looking and thinking about your situation or your problem. All right. So Alex, at this point, we know the metric we're looking for. You've brought them to the gap. Ideally, you've probably got them to say, hey, there is a gap. And you probably even got them to say, hey, it sounds like you might be able to help me achieve that gap. This discovery call ends with the next step flow that you described earlier. And now we are probably on a demo call. So I jump onto that demo call. How do you tee up that call when you're actually presenting how you can help? Mm -hmm. So the demo call is also one of my favorites, especially if I'm an account executive, because that's my time to not just be engaging and to be charismatic, but also to facilitate a powerful discussion. Like there's a arc that you can take people through. And it's not just about being able to know your product or ask a discovery. It's about getting a whole group of people and facilitating the direction of that conversation. And so there's a really specific methodology that we have in terms of how we do this. So the first thing that we do is we always start out with the pre-frame. Right. And my credibility just this time is, hey, I had a great conversation with you last time and we heard some key things, which, to be honest, is a lot like a lot of the problems that many of my customers are dealing with today. From there, I'll go over and we'll review what specifically we heard was the challenges. Hopefully, we'll be having that in a slide. We'll kind of be having different types of bolts there and we'll have planned questions that I will be asking that dive deeper into it. And especially if there's a new person on the call, if it's somebody's boss who was not on it initially, I'll make sure to validate it with that person that that's also the problem that they're dealing with. Because there's nothing worse than demoing someone who can actually make a decision and speaking to the problems that the below the line people are dealing with, not the above the line people are actually dealing with. First question is just simply, hey, I'm curious, Mr. or Mrs. VP, is this as relevant to you or is there another priority that this small problem we're having here is actually attached to? Sometimes a really powerful question can be, hey, Mr. and Mrs. VP, if I was in a room with you and you were going to be writing down the three biggest priorities on a whiteboard in a red marker, what would be the three things that you would actually be writing down? And it's the imagery that goes along with that red marker on a whiteboard that supports them answering an effective question. So after I validated what the problems are that we're trying to solve for, I'm going to show two specific types of things. The first one is I'm going to try to show a credibility slide in terms of who our company is. 
whether it be, for example, when I was at Outreach, we would say, hey, listen, we've been invested into by Microsoft, Salesforce, and SAP. Hey, we've been recognized by G2 as having really great adoption and really great implementation, right? I'm not necessarily saying these things to toot our own horn. I'm saying these things because we think we've identified a really big gap within the marketplace that solves the key things that you're trying to solve for. That's why I'm showing you this here. And oh, by the way, yes, it is helping us add credibility to our company. From there, I'm going to show one slide in terms of what does our product do and what it actually functions as as well is it's kind of the script for what I'm about to show you within the demo. So for example, I'm not the head of sales at Catalyst. We sell a customer success platform. And so what I'm going to show you is I'm just going to show you a flywheel with three different parts. And it's going to say on one side, the data uh, that we're going to be able to capture from you on one part, the playbooks that we're going to be running. And number three, it's going to be talking to you about the analysis that you can have from running all the playbooks right there. And that actually becomes the flow that I'm taking people through throughout the demo. And what I will actually do as I'm doing that is I will continually refer back to that slide. So for example, if I said the first part that I'm going to show you is the data, right? I'm going to go into the actual demo or the platform. I'm going to show you the part of our platform that exemplifies that. Once I finish and I ask an open-ended question, I'm actually going to go back to that slide and say, okay, we just showed you the data part of this. Now we're going to move to the playbooks part of this. It's called the tell, show, tell model. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you it. And I'm going to tell you what I just showed you. Because there's nothing worse than if you're a prospect and all of a sudden the rep dives directly into the demo and you say, where am I? <laughs> Is this a rep's perspective? Is this a leader's perspective? Is this a sales off? Like, where am I even showing? It's like all of a sudden you're knee deep in the middle of the ocean. You're like, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. So you really want to make sure they're understanding and feel safe in terms of what are you showing me? And then also, where are you taking me? So I can start to know where you're showing me things in the future. So Alex. Love the tell, shows tell. This is largely referring to how you go through key riffs in your demo and attach them to the things that you learned about them in discovery. I know you do a lot of things as well to engage them and get them talking inside of a demo call as well. So after you've done tell, show, tell a few times, what are other ways that you're pulling talk tracks from them? So... Let's put it this way. If I am trying to sell somebody a convertible, I'm not going to get in the convertible and drive it around as they sit on the sidewalk and watch me drive it. I want them to be sitting in the driver's seat with their hand on the shift and feeling the wind blowing through their hair. I want them to visualize and feel themselves doing it. So I'm going to tell a story throughout the process. And we hear this all the time, but there's a specific way that you put one of their people or them into the driver's seat. So for example, if I'm demoing outreach to a VP of sales, I'm going to ask right when I start, you know, open up my platforms like, hey, by the way, um, Sally, who's your best rep that you got? I'm just curious. And they might say, Joe's our best rep. Awesome. So let's say I'm Joe. 
and I open up my home dashboard here. I just got a cold brew in my hand and I'm thinking, what the heck am I supposed to be doing today? If I'm Joe, I'm looking at this, I'm actually seeing, okay, here's all of my accounts. Here's all of my tasks that I need to be doing today. And here's all of my insights, whatever it might be. Now, as I start to tell the story or the internal thought process that Joe is having here, I'm going to then get Sally engaged. So for example, I'm going to say, hey, Sally, let's say you're the person here who's actually driving. Let's say you're Joe right here and you look at your account list. I'm curious, which one of those accounts would you be most focused on? And hopefully there's an obvious account for her to be focused on because let's say there's not activity on it. Hey, there's no coverage. Hey, there's a closed lost option, whatever it might be. She's actually saying, hmm, you're forcing her to put herself in there and say, what would I do? And again, it's causing them to engage. Sally's going to get it right. And the follow-up question is exactly, see how easy that was. This just validates, again, one of the reasons why we were just named on G2 as one of the most usable platforms. You're confirming with her that she got it right. That's creating an emotional response. You're saying, exactly. So it's probably a little bit scary that she was put on the spot. Is she going to get the right answer? So you want to make sure that you tear up to have the right answer. And then you validate it with G2, Salesforce invested into us. That's why we have the most number of companies within our ecosystem compared to our competitors whatever it might be. Well, what you are doing is extremely powerful because most demos don't fail because of starvation, AKA you don't show enough. They actually fail because of indigestion. You actually show too much or you show stuff in a way where you rip through that screen and Sally doesn't actually internalize, oh, this is going to help my sales team prioritize where they spend their time. And so when you consistently ask them to engage and put them, I love that driver's seat analogy, it forces them to say, oh, wait, I one, they're going to pay attention the rest of the time because I know you're going to ask more questions like that. But two, it forces them to critically think about how would my team actually use this? It's a great way to also involve people who you think might not be paying attention. But you mm. want to ask them the question in a very specific way because you want to make sure that they get the answer right. So one thing I'll say is, let's say Joe's not paying attention. Hey, Joe. What we just showed you was how this rep will look at their accounts and then take action on it. I'm curious, how do you see that impacting your business and your team? Right? So you've actually just accomplished what you just had showed on the demo, but you're ensuring that he knows how to actually go about answering it. Well, you're recapping for him. You're saying, hey, this is what we just talked about. I'm going to re-explain this thing and then using it as a way to re-engage them. That is a really powerful tool for engaging other stakeholders in the meeting. I'm going to steal that one. Alex, throughout this entire interview, there were a couple times where you very intentionally called out the use of an open-ended question versus a closed-ended question. So for example, in your demo questions, you talked about using the inchworm concept to validate a problem with a better way to ask the question, does that make sense? What you just gave us now is an open-ended question, which is, hey, I'm curious, how do you see that impacting your team? Do you have any sort of like rhyme or reason or way that reps can think about when I should be using an open versus a closed-ended question? 
there's a little bit of a, a human psychology to it. For example, when I talked about the pre-frame, I don't say, does that agenda sound good? I intentionally ask them, what else would you like to cover? I'm choosing to tell them, hey, you're getting involved in this discussion. This is not a me just presenting at you. You're involved here. Get ready and buckle up. But if I'm asking a close-ended question, it's very much me just guiding them to where I'm actually trying to take them, right? If I'm wanting to lead them into booking a next step hypothetically or saying this is important, therefore I do need to show it, that's just a close-ended question. I'm curious, do you think about implementation when it comes to this? Yes, we do. Cool. I would love to talk to you before we talk about next steps with the implementation processes, because that's actually the most important part to buying any platform like this. And just touch on it for one to two minutes, hypothetically, and at least to saying, hey, this is important and we're thinking about it. Alex, can you talk to me about the level of depth that you get in in talking about the implementation? Because this is something I've started to do in some of my sales calls. I talk about, hey, here's how we actually turn this wonderful thing we talked about into reality. And what I was used to doing was setting a whole separate implementation call where I'd bring in a specialist and we would get into a lot of things. When you're giving that 90-second voiceover of what implementation looks like, what are the key pieces of information that you are trying to communicate to the other party? Yeah, it's a good point. As an account executive, you need to know the implementation, but you need to be really good at speaking to the implementation in about two minutes. Because when it starts to get more in-depth, depending on the product you're selling, but when it starts to get more in-depth, you're going to bring in an implementation manager, your VP of customer success, somebody who can really go there. And also, it's a great way to get multi-threaded within the opportunity. But in that two minutes as the rep, I'm going to make sure that there's a few things that are covered. Number one, I'm going to say, this is the resources that you are going to get. You're going to have an implementation manager, and then you're going to get a customer success manager. This is who you're going to get from a technical support perspective. And this is a partner that we like to engage if you would like to do it. So first, I just kind of frame, here's the people you engage with. The second thing that I would make sure to cover is what are the different stages throughout the implementation process? Hey, so we have the big kickoff call. We're going to talk about X, Y, and Z. And then we're going to connect into Salesforce. And then we're going to work on the data piece for your sequences. And then we're going to actually go about training all of your users here. Just so they know, okay, there's usually about, I would probably say between five to seven buckets within the implementation process that at least I've experienced with on, on a pretty common basis. And then the third is how long does it typically take, right? That's the biggest question that everybody wants to know. And by the way, just because you are really quick at implementing does not mean you're the good product right there. So just be careful that you understand who are you speaking with and what do they care about? Do they want a robust solution or do they have very limited resources and they just need to get something up tomorrow? One thing to underscore here is there are two types of reps that I see. The first type of rep is the one who completely avoids talking about implementation. And they just say, sorry, I don't know. Let me talk to our implementation managers. Let me bring them on board. The other extreme, which is even worse, are the ones who promise the world but have no idea how to actually back it up. And what you're talking about, Alex, is striking the perfect balance, which is you are talking about the people that are involved, you are talking about the stages of implementation, and you are talking about the timing of the implementation. And I'm showing the prospects that I know just enough that you can trust me that if I say it's four to eight weeks and these are the major levers that implicate whether it's going to be a four or an eight-week implementation, 
it sounds a heck of a lot better than me saying, it's two weeks live, don't worry about it, they're great, they'll figure it out. You need to give people the high-level buckets, levers, and reasons implementation can be faster or slower. And if you don't know that, go figure it out. And then you can formally bring in your implementation team to give them an exact estimate later on. We are running out of time, Alex. We got to move to the final question. And the final question is this. We've talked about a lot of really great things salespeople should be doing. And now I got to ask you about a shouldn't. And so the final question is, what is one bad habit you see a lot of salespeople exhibiting that you think they need to break because it's hurting them more than it helps? The one thing that I see sales reps struggling with is just trying to hit quota. That's just what they're trying to do. They want to hit quota so that they can therefore look good within their company and make a lot of money. And I'm down to make a whole bunch of money. Let's do that. The more important thing, in my opinion, is what is the version of yourself that you're becoming by hitting quota? What are you getting to do? What are you getting to live into? I think that's a very common thing that many people are struggling with right now of, i just trying to, trying to close deals. It's not just about trying to close deals. It's something much larger than that. And you're getting to impact your clients, your teammates, and your leadership from that. And if you can find a way to get inspired into that, selling becomes easy. Blowing out quota is just a byproduct of that. Phenomenal. Alex, thank you for joining us. Everybody stick around for a 60-second recap coming up soon. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. Obsessive checking of your inbox is a total waste of time and brain power. Instead, commit to checking your inbox and responding to email at set times throughout the day. I'm a fan of Boomerang's pause inbox function to keep myself from getting distracted by my inbox. Now, we documented our best templates and tools to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang, and you can get that for free at the link in the show notes. Today's tactic to triple your connect rate is brought to you by RocketReach, who provides data that lets you reach out to the right person at the right account at the right time. Every time you're reaching out to an account, pull down the contacts again. Yes, I know it sucks, but the average tech tenure is two years, which means 50% of the workforce turns over every year. So look up the account, pull anyone who was hired, and scratch anyone who was left. And one way you can pull verified and accurate data is with Rocket Reach. So if you like this, check out their toolkit on eight ways to triple your cold call connects in the show notes. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Woodpecker. When you're sending a sales email, you generally want to avoid putting punctuation in the subject line. If you've got an exclamation point, it makes it seem like you're shouting at them. Look at this amazing offer. And a question mark just smells salesy. So avoid punctuation. Now, if you want to steal my full sales cadence from my friends at Woodpecker, there's a link in the show notes for you to go get it and try it for free. Your top four actionable takeaways from this episode with Alex Kramer include number one, start with the lay of the land questions, then bring them through heaven and hell questions, and then bucket them in a problem with typically language. Number two, if they don't know the metric they're trying to improve, it's your job to educate them on the metric you can help them solve for. Number three, tell, show, tell. You're going to tell them what you're going to show them. You're going to show it to them. And then again, you're going to play it back and you're going to tell them what you just showed them and how it pertains to what you learned about them in discovery. And then lastly, number four, how to talk about implementation as a sales rep. Talk at the level of one, the people involved, two, the stages, and three, the timing of implementation. Don't just say it's going to be two weeks. All righty, Nick, how can people help us out here? Well, 
We had a really great discussion today about some of the best practices that you might use on a discovery call or even on a demo. And if you didn't know, 30 Minutes to President's Club occasionally does discovery tape teardowns where a brave member of our audience actually submits recordings of their real discovery calls. We block out the prospect's face. We change their voice a little bit. But then we play those calls back and we actually coach through them. And you can go and access all of the recordings of our Discovery Tape Teardowns if you go to the 30 Minutes to President's Club website. So if you haven't checked those out, in addition to this episode, those are a really great way to level up your Discovery calls. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next week. Gong's going to help you run the five-minute drill at the end of all of your calls today. At the end of a call, pressure test the prospect with three questions. Number one, do you want to buy? If the answer is no, why set a next step at all? Number two, when do you want to buy? If it's tomorrow, we got to move fast. Number three, how do you buy? Based on the first two answers, I can now adequately decide if and how I set a next step. And this was stolen from the Gong 30 MPC 90-Minute Masterclass, and you can steal it too in the show notes. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. Obsessive checking of your inbox is a total waste of time and brain power. Instead, commit to checking your inbox and responding to email at set times throughout the day. I'm a fan of Boomerang's pause inbox function to keep myself from getting distracted by my inbox. Now, we documented our best templates and tools to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang, and you can get that for free at the link in the show notes.